listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome again to another episode of What the Dev. As you heard, this is Dave Rubenstein. Uh, and with me today is uh, Chris Kondo. He's a research analyst at Forrester. Uh, and we have an interesting topic for you today as the world seems to be morphing around DevOps and Agile and Value Stream. Uh, we're hearing now that the topic of engineering intelligence or software intelligence. And uh, Chris, thanks for being with us here today. Appreciate your time as always. Yeah, David, thanks very much for inviting me. It certainly is. A, I think it's a very interesting topic. These vendors uh, in the uh, engineering or software intelligence space uh, seem to be multiplying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things I think would be a good place to start is how we're defining uh, software intelligence or engineering intelligence. Where, where, how do you guys define that? That's a good question. Um, you know, it, this uh, sort of is an outcrop, in my opinion, of the value stream management movement where, you know, these value stream management tools are connected into all the various systems of automation for you know, planning, delivering, building, deploying software. Um, collectively, value stream management can give you, you know, some of the Dora metrics that people hear about, like uh, mean time to uh, repair or frequency or change failure rate. Um, right. And then also more, uh, what's, what's kind of a higher order function is trying to help folks connect, um, you know, effort with value and value delivered. Uh, mm-hmm. Hence we, why we call them value stream management tools. But in the middle of that, there's a lot of different constituencies, right? There are planning people that are thinking about how do I aggregately understand what's going on? And so we're seeing like, you know, almost a consolidation of some of the um, single, um, uh, you know, standalone players being, you know, acquired by some of those um, portfolio players. Like we saw TaskDrop acquired by PlanView. We saw, we just saw ConnectAll being uh, merged with um, the ValueOps team over at Broadcom. You know, and those are like, that's serving portfolio into development. And then, you know, we've got some other players that like say Digital AI acquired ZBA Labs a long time ago, mm-hmm. which was more of a release orchestration. Plutora is kind of a release orchestration kind of view. But in the yeah. middle, there hasn't been a lot of people that have really focused on the middle part, the software development space, except I would say uh, maybe CloudBees and GitLab, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they still call their solutions value stream management. This new kind of outcrop this new sort of uh, upstart group is completely focused on software development teams, uh, helping them become more efficient and giving them more data to drive uh, outcomes faster. So mm-hmm. you'll see them not only thinking about, you know, some of the Dora metrics like uh, cadence and release frequency and whatnot, but maybe they're also looking at, you know, how, how often are um, developers engaged with a certain project? Um, how often, you know, what does the developer experience look like? What um, what kinds of things are slowing people down? How do we improve, um, you know, sprint estimation? What's going on with the backlog? Is it going up or going down? How do we balance resources? It's really um, sort of like a deep dive into software development leaders' worst nightmares and how can we help them? And so rather than thinking about, you know, how does this all connect to the business or how does this all connect up with, you know, all the other teams like, you know, compliance and governance, um, 
right now, many of these tools are focused on helping development leaders be more effective at leading their teams. And so it's sort of a deep dive on that. So software intelligence, I guess the quick definition is, you know, tools that help software development managers be more effective at their job. Yeah. Very simple, but that's what I've come up with right now. Yeah. No, no, that works. Uh, Yeah. It's something that we've seen um, repeated over and over again, where uh, a lot of times these new initiatives kind of bubble up from the development team and then spread wider throughout the organization. We saw it with Agile. We've seen it with DevOps. I think we're seeing with ValueStream as well, where people were looking at it first from an engineering point of view. Then they're like, well, how do we make our whole organization better? And then it's value stream upon value stream and everything else. But this does, uh, again, as you said, bring it kind of back to to development and and creating the actual assets that are going to deliver the value. So the other thing that struck me is that it also seems to be breaking down a lot of these internal silos that people are talking about, where project managers maybe didn't have complete insight into what was happening, or the business people certainly didn't have insight into it. We're hearing about business agility out of the value stream crowd uh, very often now. So so this seems to be, uh, I guess, again, we, we started talking originally about uh, value stream being the, like the cherry on the top of the DevOps cake, uh, <laughs> but it seems to just be, you know, being uh, even more broad, uh, broadly uh, implemented than that. Yeah, I would say it's that everyone has a thirst for quantitative data. And the engineering intelligence people, I think, saw an opportunity where value stream management and its terminology and its sort of gravitation towards like a business focus, they decided to go and gravitate towards more of a technical focus. How do I help these technology leaders first and business leaders second? And so, Some of these tools, I think, um, will eventually have to find themselves in a situation where, you know, the development leader eventually has to translate what they're doing, the actions they're taking, the decisions they make into business decisions. So eventually, even this most staunchly independent engineering intelligence tool is going to have to come around to how do they help development leaders represent decisions in business terms. And that means, did you improve time to market? Did you improve outcomes of a product? Are you, you know, providing greater functionality or lowering the cost of operations, right? All the things that engineering leaders are, you know, really in place to do, to guide their teams, to provide more value to to the business and to the end users as a result. And so... So it's kind of an inside-out approach versus an outside-in, I guess, from a value stream management perspective. Yeah, certainly uh, would would seem to be the case there. Yep. So um, I'll probably have the editor make a little cut here as I try to formulate the next question. Um, Yeah, so uh, again, this putting the focus on developers, how does this impact developers? Is this going to help them move more quickly? Uh, we hear a lot about uh, observability tools and and giving uh, observability to developers who can and managers, I guess, who can see really what's going on in the code and in the projects. And you have a lot of these tools that start, you know, some of them are very code level. Some of them are a, a little more uh, macro uh, in view. And and how do organizations like kind of cobble all of that together? That's a good question. I think it really depends on their intent. I, I 
there are people that are concerned about tools like this, you know, kind of like big brother looking over the shoulder of a developer to say, are you coding fast enough? Are you, you know, productive enough? And the problem with development, the problem with doing that is that software development is kind of a creative process. So creativity comes in bursts. The other thing uh, that's important is that it's, you know, it's problem solving. And that many times um, there are people that contribute to code that simply contribute by talking to the junior engineer or sharing ideas. And none of that's really captured by these sorts of tools. Um, All they capture is, you know, the output from the engineer and, and what outcome it delivered. So I can see some engineers being a little wary of tools like this that might provide a false narrative as to the amount of and level of effort that they're putting into a project. That's one thing. That's sort of the negative side. And I could see that, for example, let's say you have a, you're working with a uh, staff org organization and you, you brought in, you know, five engineers, you might want to know like what, are they actually producing because I'm paying them, you know, a lot of money. Uh, So in those cases, it might be useful, but the full-time engineers might feel like it's snooping. Um, So those are like sort of like the pseudo negative uh, reasons that developers might not want a tool like this. But the main reason for wanting tools like this is that developers often run into roadblocks and they run into them over and over again, like manual approval processes or test automation scripts that, you know, weren't done right or steps that weren't well-defined or waiting for a security review or not being able to you know, move quick enough because environments aren't available, or they have to go through some training process or whatever. These tools right. will capture all of that waste in the process and provide them with defensible information that says, listen, you know, I'm trying to do my job, but you guys are making it hard. There's a lot of red tape to get this job done. Engineering managers, instead of just you know, relaying um, stories that sound like crying on the leader's shoulder, they can relate it like this is the lost amount of productivity we have in hours, and those hours can directly be translated to money. And so this makes a strong business case for why we should do more automation, maybe do more standardization of infrastructure, maybe streamline some of the red tape that we have for governance or compliance. Right. Um, maybe a reason why we should really think about improving some of the tools we have or moving to the cloud where we know we can be more agile and stand up sandbox environments much more quickly. Right now, it's more of like an argumentative, qualitative argument. When you take these engineering intelligence tools though, and talk about those costs to the business and say, we can turn this around and make this a benefit. Then I think the business leaders, um, CFOs or, you know, line of business managers that are, that are budgeting the automation and budgeting the team We'll look at that and say, oh, this is really a competitive advantage that we should invest in versus something that we're always trying to wonder, why does it take so long to get software out the door? Right. And yeah, getting back to the the metrics and the measurements, it's, uh, you know, if you're just relying on, you know, how many lines of code did you write today or something like that, somebody could have spent half a day eliminating a whole lot of technical debt and yet would not be credited for that because that doesn't show up in any of the metrics that are right exactly exactly yeah. it's so yeah. true yeah so these are uh, excellent tools and again uh you know some of the some of the tools in this space are really focused on the code and others are again take a broader a broader look at things and i, I guess it's all good is is the point is that if you're a developer and you and you're using some sort of software that perhaps 
you know, does the uh, annotations along the side as you're coding and it shows you what and why or maybe gives you some advice as to I would write it this way instead of doing it that way. That's one bit of, of what they would call software intelligence. And the other, of course, is collecting all the data around it. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how that all kind of comes together and plays out as as this evolves. Yeah. At Forrester, we have a line of research that we call uh, Turing bots. Um, mm -hmm. you know, automated assistance. And right. my colleague, Diego LeJudice, writes about that and envisions really at every aspect of software development, there could be a bot or a, a tech, you know, an AI assisted um, assistant mm -hmm. that could help you, whether it's coding, like, you know, Microsoft's Copilot, right. um, or like you said, this annotation tool you're talking about, I'm not familiar with. Um, those are all assistants that help you write code. I mean, JetBrains has had sort of like an assistant to help you autocomplete for about mm -hmm. 10 years now. Right. Um, so a lot of that type of work is gonna continue. And I think what you'll see is it's gonna spread uh, into spaces like, how do I write test automation? How can I more quickly you know, connect different DevOps tools together? How can I do security better? All sorts of different ways that these assistants or, you know, and or low code type tools will help people accelerate. Separate from that, I, and I segregate it separately, and the reason why I'm kind of calling it out, is there are tools that are like looking at the meta process and they're not really involved in the process. So like when you think about a tool like Allstacks or Linear B or Jellyfish, they're not helping you write code at all. They're just recording and capturing data on how well the team is performing on its goals and trying to help leaders make the right decisions from terms of staffing, uh, schedule appropriation, uh, estimation, and those higher order functions. So mm -hmm. software intelligence probably does need a better definition about like, you know, what do we mean by software intelligence? Are you talking about intelligently helping someone write code or are you adding sort of like a layer like, like value stream management does of intelligence on top of the overall process? Mm -hmm. Excellent. Good stuff. All right. Chris Kondo, uh, Research Analyst at Forrester. Thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate you're, it. You're welcome, David. Thanks for inviting me on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think this is a space uh, definitely uh, we'll all be keeping our eye on uh, as we go forward. Yeah, thanks again. And thanks to all our listeners for being here. Uh, uh, once again, I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of SD Times. So long for now.